Podcast Answer Man, episode number 192. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is the podcast devoted to helping you take your podcast to the next level. That's right. I'm here each and every week to answer your questions, to share my journey with you on what I'm learning through my own uh, pursuit of podcasting and new media as a full-time career. Well, my friends, I have a full show here today, and I don't have as much time to record as I normally would. So the first topic today, the future of GSPN.TV Plus membership. You know, a lot of people are very eager to learn about my method of premium membership. Now, here's the situation. I want to tell you all about this, and I have no doubt that a majority, if not every single person listening to this podcast, would probably be interested in hearing me tell you why I would consider getting rid of my partial premium membership model that I completely see as a success. And and so have many of you. You guys have told me just how blown away you are about you know what I've been able to accomplish. Well, here I am getting ready to change all of that and give away all my content for free. And um, hopefully, in the process, maintain as much as that income as possible on an ongoing, continual monthly basis. Now, if you are interested in hearing my entire thought process, I have a one-hour-long episode to explain to you exactly what Plus Membership is, how it came about, and uh, that story's all over in another podcast that I recorded this week. And uh, not only that, but... I share with you why I'm thinking about giving away all the podcast episodes away for free, what benefits I had considered giving, I have been considering giving in uh, in uh, place of holding back content because I want to give all the content away for free, but I was hoping to still maintain the monthly subscriptions and even see them grow with uh, maybe a replacement of benefits. Came up with a great list of benefits, which you'll hear in that episode. And uh, not only that, but I, I came up with a great list of benefits, and then through my my group of advisors that I have, um, we came down to the decision that, you know what, these extra benefits are pretty appealing, but you know what, um, why don't we give those away for free too? If you want to check that out, it's pursuingabalancedlife.com, that's the name of the podcast where I shared this, and it's episode 486. There'll be a link to it in the show notes here for episode 192 of Podcast Answer Man. But if you want to go over there, it's it, just go to pursuingabalancedlife.com and look for episode 486. I'm telling you, if you are interested in in my business model and, and how I've been able to generate income through through my passion for podcasting, uh, I, I know that that would be interesting to you. So there you go. I, so basically, after this episode, go check it out. All right. Um, on the topic of this, I was just, uh, I had the honor of being um, a guest on Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income podcast uh, just recently. Now, I was on episode number five of his show, 
And uh, just this past week, I did another um, interview or uh, conversation, had another conversation with Pat that was recorded. And uh, the topic this time was, is it possible to give too much away for free? Now, guess what? The entire conversation was not revolving around me and my decision to give away my content for free, although I had alluded to the fact to people that I was considering doing just that. But it was, I mean, that was just a very, like, it was just maybe a couple sentences to that fact. The entire episode is completely, is, is even more content in this, you know, this whole concept of giving, giving content away for free. And um, I, I just want to say this, the, the overall premise, I am going to summarize that episode for you just in case you're not interested in going and listening, although I will tell you, you should go and listen because Pat's a great guy and I really love his content, Smart Passive Income Podcast. Uh, you can find it at uh, smartpassiveincome.com. I'm going to have a link to the episodes uh, that I was in in the show notes of episode 192 here for Podcast Answer Man. And uh, anyway, the the big deal here, the summary is this, and, and I hope that if you don't listen to that episode in full, that I can at least say this. I believe in giving away information for free, understanding that it, you know, that things are going to come back to me. But the thing is, is, is this isn't about giving to get. Although with the theory of reciprocity, which I've shared many times in the past with you guys, even with the theory of reciprocity, yes, I know that if I give, it will come back and it will return to me. I know that. But that is not what giving content away for free is all about. It is about, because because I can tell you this, if you don't get the real uh, gist of this, then then it doesn't make a difference. You can give away everything for free and you won't get anything. Uh, it is possible. And it all comes down to what is the heart of the matter? Why, what, why, do you, why do you wish to give this away for free? Is it a strategy to get? If you're giving to get, then uh, there's a big problem. But let me tell you, and, and, and if you go to Pursuing a Balanced Life episode 486, you'll hear that my heart in this isn't so that I can increase the amount of income that I get from Plus Membership. In fact, I am putting it at risk. I am putting at risk of seeing a decrease. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm actually expecting probably a, a small decrease um, and, and potentially even as much as half of my existing income coming in from Plus Membership could completely drop off when I make the announcement this coming week um, of my final decision. And, uh, and and you know what? I'm not in this for the money. Now, I will tell you, I struggled in, in 2010, right around the end of that. You know, some things started to happen. I got really excited and I got really focused on some of the income and, and stuff like that. But still, I want to tell you from this day, I can say with all my heart that I've never been in this just for the money. It's about me sharing my journey. It's about me sharing my life, what I'm learning, and I, I'm sharing it for the benefit of others. And my desire to give away my content for free is not a ploy. It's not a strategy. It's not to make me rich. Although I know that I believe that things will come back to me, it will help me so that I can actually financially justify spending as much time as I have been and hopefully even more time on building my community and and building my content uh, and, and, and just helping people. That's what it's all about. It's all about helping people. And so, uh, so two episodes that I want you to go check out, Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast episode number 486 and Smart Passive Income. Uh, the link to that episode is in the show notes. All right. 
And let's see here. The next one is okay. So we're we're now turning to our questions. Uh, so just in case you thought this was a podcast episode all about me, it's not. Uh, this is where we're going to turn over to our good friend Wayne, who got a little message, uh, not necessarily directly from Feedburner, but uh, Feedburner gave him a little issue. Hey, Cliff, uh, Wayne Henderson here. How you doing? Uh, this is for the podcast answer man, and that is you, my friend. I've heard. You, I believe, and some other podcasters talk um, periodically about managing our feeds and making sure that they don't get too big so that they uh, will continue working. Well, I've noticed that on one of my feeds through FeedBurner, it says that it can no longer operate my feed. It's over a certain size. How do I go about clearing that out and making it a smaller, more manageable feed? Is that something I do through WordPress? Or sitting in there where maybe I don't want to show every post, every podcast episode I've put out for the last year or something like that? Or is it some setting in FeedBurner or possibly even something up in Libsyn where I upload all my files? It's a mystery. I've looked around at in, in all of those places and can't find anything that seems to lead me to where I would adjust that. So. I wanted to check with you, the podcast answer man. <laughs> Help, my feed's getting out of control. All righty. Thank you, Wayne, for the call and for the question, my friend. Uh, and this is one I actually do get a lot in, in emails. And I think we may have covered this a couple times in the past. But you know what? I just want to say this. If you, if you are not calling in your question because you're afraid that in the last 191 episodes before this uh, that I may have already asked your question call in your question anyway because I don't expect you to go back and listen to all 191 prior episodes. Call in your question. It doesn't matter if I've answered it in the past. So I'm happy to get your question. And uh, here's the deal. FeedBurner will not accept feeds that are larger than 512 kilobytes in size. Now, I don't know if you know this, but your your RSS feed is actually a file that sits on your, your hosting account with your um, blog or your WordPress or your wherever you have. So whatever site is, um, your program like WordPress, your blogger, all these services, they're creating an RSS feed uh, automatically for you. And that 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 feed is actually a file. It is, it is a literal, it is, it is a data file. And that data file is usually just text only. But if you put a lot of information in that thing, it can get pretty big, even though it's text. And what happens is FeedBurner has a limit. Now, I don't understand why they have a limit, and I could probably look it up, but I just never have. I just I just have always dealt with their limits. And so for whatever reason, they do not allow that little data file that actually is your RSS feed to be in excess of 512 kilobytes. And here's the situation. Um, there is no setting in FeedBurner to go and, and reduce it because FeedBurner is a service that is actually taking your RSS feed and then reformatting that feed in a way that adds additional information. Uh, specifically for us podcasters, making it iTunes compatible for us uh, if you have... Um, so, so anyway, but yeah, that's what it's doing. But the RSS feed that they're saying is too large, Wayne, and for anybody else that gets this error, is it saying the RSS feed that you are providing to FeedBurner is larger than 512 kilobytes. It's too large for them. Now, um, here's the situation. By default, WordPress, if you go into the dashboard, it limits the number of items that show up in your RSS feed to 10 items. 
So it will only show the most recent 10 posts. And if you only have that, I can pretty much assure you that, that you're not gonna run into that size limit. However, this can easily be changed. All you have to do is you simply go into your dashboard and you click over on the left-hand side and scroll down to the bottom where it says settings and you'll see a little tab or a little mark there where you, you can click on reading and then you'll see that there are some configurations where you can change things around. Um, and I, I know like for for example, there are some podcasts that I, do, I think I've done at a, a couple different times where I've actually changed Podcast Answer Man to show like 150 of the most recent episodes in the RSS feed. And that way people who subscribe to the podcast can do 150 episodes. And then of course, you know, FeedBurner, when I got around to that, uh, you know, 80, 90, 100 and some odd episodes, uh, FeedBurner says, ah, you're too large. And here's the deal. Now FeedBurner will let you take, um, an RSS feed, and if you get, you know, if you submit a feed and it gets in, if you think that you've gotten away with uh, getting around this 512k limit, not so, because once your feed, you know, your feed can get set up perfectly, but what happens is if your feed ever, your original feed ever becomes more than 512 kilobytes, FeedBurner will just stop looking at your feed until it or stop reburning your feed for you uh, it will stop adding and updating new content to your feed until you've reduced the size of the original so here's what i would suggest doing there are two things that i would suggest doing uh, first what i would do is i would go to the dashboard of your wordpress site click on settings uh, go down to the where it says reading and first change it to where it uh, the feed only shows the summary of your posts instead of the full text. So for example, I know a lot of you out there are writing like like entire eBooks for your show notes. You're putting transcripts of everything that every word you speak is is your is in your show notes. Well, that's just that's just bloating your RSS feed. And uh, as far as the size if if you're really concerned about using FeedBurner. And so uh, the option there in what you would do is if you change it to show summary only, it cuts down how much text is inside the actual data file, which is known as your RSS feed, and so thereby reducing its size. So first thing I would do is I would suggest uh, switching it over to summary instead, um, and then what you would need to do is this, oh, by the way, if you are using a caching plugin like WP Super Cache or whatever those other caching options are, this is where it actually like instead of uh, serving up or looking at the the raw data, you know, for every single person that looks at your RSS feed, instead of going and looking at the database every single time, it actually says, you know what? Here, I've got a copy of the RSS feed. I'm not going to update this RSS feed until you know my, this person publishes again. And so it'll keep a cached version of your RSS feed. Now if you go in and change these settings and you have those caching plugins turned on, your set your your feed won't change. And so therefore even if you've made changes that would actually reduce the size of your your RSS feed, your your RSS file, uh, then what would happen is is the the old bigger bloated file will still show so my recommendation is to just go in and deactivate the cache plugins just for a few moments while you're working on this then change it to summary only instead of text full text then what you would do is you need to go over to feed burner sign into your dashboard there click on the feed in question and then at the top you'll see a troubleshoot ties tab 
And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see a button that says resync feed. And once you do that, you should hopefully get a green, you know, feed is successfully updated. Uh, or you may still get an error that says your feed is still, you know, your feed is over 512K. At that point, what I would do is go back to the WordPress dashboard. And if you've got it set at show the most recent 100, you know, posts in the RSS feed, change it back to 75, hit save, go back over to FeedBurner, resync again, and keep doing that and bring it back, you know, dial it back a little bit until finally you're, you know, they're telling you that the size of your RSS feed is under uh, 512 kilobytes. Now, don't forget if you if you rely on those cache, you know, caching plug plugins to reactivate that. But hopefully, Wayne, that will help you out. I'm matter of fact, I'm positive that it will. So uh, there you go. Hey, in fact, uh, this is a good time for me to just tell you that I am going to be doing an all new, brand new uh, WordPress for Podcasters webinar this Saturday. Now, for those of you uh, like my good friend Walter and for the wonderful people who have been leaving me comments, I'm going to tell you that I'm recording this on Friday, January 14th, 2010. And the webinar that I'm telling you about right now that I'm going to be doing tomorrow is Saturday, January 15th. So if you're hearing this afterwards, this is in the past. But for those of you who will download this today, and I know there's at least a couple of you, uh, there's time to sign up for my brand new WordPress for Podcasters webinar. The idea here is that um, I've changed the plugins that I use when I'm working with my consulting clients. I've actually dropped two and added one and reconfigured things in a way that really drastically reduces the number of steps that it takes to to, to publish a podcast episode to your website. Here's the good news. Anybody who's ever purchased the WordPress for Podcasters uh, training series from me before, the, the previous webinar or the digital product from the site, you will get an email from me with an update uh, for the to access the new material for free. So if you've already bought this product with the old information, you're going to get the new updated information for free. It's just the way I want to do business. And so there will be no additional charge to you. Now, for those of you who have not purchased it, and you want to get in on this, um, I am going to be recording that tomorrow in a webinar live. Of course, that's uh, Saturday, January 15th. And here's the deal. For those who sign up for this webinar, it's only going to be $49, all right? And that, and of course, when the, the new updated material is put back online, it's going to go to its normal price of $100. Now, for those of you who are listening to this on Friday or Saturday morning, uh, just before the webinar, you can still sign up, even if you can't make it. Uh, if you pay the $49 to register, anybody who's registered for the webinar will get uh, that uh, video access and, and product access uh, within one week after it's been recorded. So just want to let you know, and of course, if you don't know what podca- uh, WordPress for Podcasters is, uh, there's a great description. Just go to podcastanswerman.com slash products. And you'll see the description there. Just know that it's uh, being updated uh, tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. I've been wanting to do that ever since I've changed my method for producing podcast content. Uh, and I wanted to, I wanted my all those folks who had purchased that existing product to also benefit from these uh, amazing new changes. All right. Uh, we got another call, and this one is from Sam. Sam, take it away. Hey, Cliff. I had a quick question for the podcast answer man. I drop about two and a half hours a day round trip to my current day job, and I was trying to get some podcasts going and that kind of thing, and it just seems like 
a great time to put together some podcasts would be in the car. I actually listened to a guy that started out in the car doing the same sort of thing, but his early podcast sounded awful. And my car is just not airtight and is not a, not exactly a brand new car. And I was wondering what you thought about, if you had any suggestions, I guess, for doing that. I've um, any kind of microphone setup you think would be good. I need to do this kind of on the cheap also. I can't spend a whole ton of money on uh, different hard pieces of hardware to make this work out. So any thoughts would be great. Thanks. All right, Sam, thank you very much for your call. And I am going to give you my thoughts here. My initial thought is um, my my recommendation is, is simply probably uh, probably the best summary would be don't do it. Um, don't record a podcast in the car. And, and there are several reasons why I'm going to recommend that you not podcast, record your podcast content from the car. Um, and by the way, I just want to uh, just tell you that I have recorded podcast content while I was in the car. Um, and I will tell you that I probably will do some content in the future. Uh, there, at least there's a chance that I could might do- possibly do some content in the future. But I wouldn't actually make an entire podcast, uh, like an entire show. Uh, where a majority or if or even most of my episodes are recorded in the car um, just because of the audio quality. I, I think that, you know, if, if people are going to be tuning into you, you want to have audio quality that that is very good and um, that that doesn't sound like you're in a car driving down the road and all the bumps and, and all the other road noise and all the other stuff that goes along with that. Now, I have a podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life, and that is my kind of my audio journal podcast. And there are times when I have recorded something in the car, but but those episodes are few and far between. And to be honest with you, it's just not safe. Uh, it's really not. And that's why I struggle to say I might still do some in the future. I, I probably shouldn't. But, um, you know, the thing is, is there's a chance that I might be in a, you know, a, a five-hour drive between Nashville, Tennessee and, and, and coming back home. And I want to record a 20-minute little thought of mine. Now, if, if if I were going to record something like that, uh, personally, I would just take out my iPhone and, and open up the Griffin iTalk Pro application. I think it's like $4.99. There's a free version, but I, I, I like Griffin, and so I bought their full version of their app. And uh, it's great. There's no limit on the amount of uh, time except for the space you have on your on your iPhone or your iPod OS or whatever. But... um. Yeah, you, you could uh, record on that, and the cool thing is is it's not a condenser microphone, I don't believe. I don't, I, well, I don't know. It might be a condenser. Anyway, it's got auto gain control. It's, it's got um, limiting built in to the iPhone. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, it, it's a really good solution for recording in noisy situations, and you could hold the mic right up to your, your mouth. But the thing is, is probably both of those hands should be on the, uh, on, on the wheel of your car and uh, not being held up to your mouth. So, uh, And again, I'm, I'm probably talking to myself here too. I probably shouldn't even consider doing any in the future. It's just not safe and it's just not going to sound good. The, the other option, of course, is like, well, you know, I could put it up, you know, close to the dash or I could, you know, have, uh, you know, one of these little digital audio recorders like the Adderall and, and rubber band it to my, my visor and stuff like that. The thing is, is you'll have to gain that thing up to gain your, to get your voice that it's going to pick up the road noise. Every bump in the road, every crack you drive over, it's, it's going to sound horrible. So, uh, and especially the fact that you want to do it on the cheap, you know, I, I, I just, my personal, 
my personal thoughts, and that's what you called in for, is that it's probably just not a good idea. I, I would I would probably rather tell you that if you're, you know, if you're, it sounds to me like you're traveling a lot, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would, I would, you know, if you're, I don't know if you're staying at a hotel. I know a lot of people just, you know, put some gear in the, the, in a briefcase and, and they open it up when they get to the hotel. And that's a whole lot better than, than driving in the car. Um, I just think you'll get better audio quality and uh, in a, in a, in a more sustained audience if your audio quality is much better than recording in a car. Otherwise, if and, and by the way, if you want super cheap, here, here's the other one. Um, I, look for these options that will where you can call in. Um, there, there are options I think that you can call in and, 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 uh, start a recording. I know talkshoe.com has the ability to quote unquote create a show and you can call in and leave, uh, and, and hit some keystrokes and have it start recording and, uh, it will record your telephone conversation. I mean, a telephone recording is not going to be any worse. Well, it would be slightly worse, but I mean, you're already talking about recording in a, in a, a car that's not airtight that you know has a lot of noise so you could just call into a service that'll record your audio as you're talking into it uh, and release that and even that I wouldn't recommend doing uh, but it, I guess it all depends on on if this is just a hobby or if, if it's for your business if it's for your business or if it's for a brand if it's for something more than just a hobby I certainly wouldn't recommend recording in your car that's just my personal thoughts on that one all right, let's go over to Hector, who called in. He's got an issue with uh, his switch to Lipson. So check this out. Hey, Cliff. This is Hector Quell. I was calling you from Bronx, New York. Um, I'm calling you for the podcast, Answer Man Podcast. Uh, I run a blog over at HectorJQLS.com, and I started my podcast back in December, on uh, December 7th to be exact. And I'm having a blast, a lot of fun. Uh, the podcast has been going really well, which is the reason why I'm calling you for help. Um, I, re- I recently switched over to Lipson after listening to one of your episodes, um, but this was going on. Amazon charged me fourteen twenty seven for storage back in December, which is fine. It's great. Uh, that was the reason why I switched to Lipson because it's the same price as a Lipson plan. Uh, but it's now January twelfth, and the bill is already up to ten bucks. So when I signed up for Lipson, this is what I did. I uploaded all of my old episodes, which is episode one through five. I switched all the links on my blog post and resynced my podcast feed so that it can create new enclosures for the MP3 files. Unfortunately, that didn't work. FeedBurner is still feeding iTunes the links from my Amazon S3 account, and so I'm still being charged for downloads. I'm afraid that this month the bill will reach 25 30 bucks on top of my Lipson $15 flat rate. So the question is, how do you switch from Amazon S3 to Lipson and let FeedBurner and iTunes know about the new MP3 file locations? I hope you have the answer to that, man. I really, really would appreciate that. So thank you for all you do, Cliff, and uh, I'll be listening in. Talk soon. Bye. All right, Hector, thank you so much for calling in. And by the way, thank you for your comment that you left on... um on the uh, Smart Passive Income podcast that I did just recently, episode 13 with uh, with Pat Flynn. I saw your comment on his site. But uh, yeah, I um, definitely know exactly what's going on here. There are, there are three different things that you need to be concerned about. Number one, do you use a caching software? And if you use caching software, 
you may need to refresh that cache. Uh, so that could be that could be potential problem number one. Although um, chances are, if you publish new content and it's still serving the old, um, then then that's probably not it. But I just wanted to throw out that out there as a possible possible solution for you to try and and see if it helps. Number two. Um, you said that you went, you uploaded everything over to Libsyn and you updated all the links. My question for you then, did you update the enclosures? All right. So your media file enclosures, uh, like for example, when you actually went in and created a link to the MP3 file originally on your Amazon server, and then you hit publish, uh, depending on whether or not you were using a plugin or if you let WordPress automatically do the enclosure for you, which it can do by default, uh, if you're using a WordPress.org, you're, you're, you're using your own version of WordPress, which I'm, I assume that you are, um, then then what happens is it creates a media enclosure, which is a little bit of code that tells, uh, that is kind of attached to, you know, that says there's an attachment that kind of goes along with this RSS blog post entry, and it happens to be a media file, and here's the URL of that file. So it's not enough for you to just update the post with the new links. You actually have to go in and update the media enclosure uh, with the new URL as well. And uh, it, it, I can't tell you exactly how to do that unless I know exactly what you use to actually create your media enclosures the first time. But if all you need to do is look down, go to go to your one of your most recent posts that has the you know that used to have the Amazon but now has the new one, and in that post. Uh, view, you'll see a, a section in WordPress called custom fields, and you'll see a, one of them is says enclosure, and over on the right-hand side, you'll see the link to the file on there. There's a good chance that it actually still says Amazon, even though you updated the post above. So update that URL to the new Libsyn URL. You should That should take care of it if that's the case. If that doesn't take care of it, the only other thing I can think of is that you should probably just go over to uh, go over to feedburner.com, log into the dashboard, click on the RSS feed that you set up for your podcast, go over to the Troubleshoot Ties tab, scroll down to the bottom, click the Resync button, and it tells FeedBurner to dump everything it knows about your feed uh, now, completely erase you know any memory of that feed, Go and look at the feed as it looks today with the quote-unquote new media enclosures that are now pointing over to Libsyn instead of uh, Amazon, and then uh, it should create a brand new burned copy of your feed with the with the files being pulled from the correct place. So that should help you out, and congratulations, by the way, on the success of your podcast and this, my friends, is why I do prefer using Libsyn Media Hosting instead of Amazon because uh, at least you know you can sleep at night uh, know, knowing exactly what your monthly bill is going to be. You know, heaven forbid, uh, you know, Hector, that you'd have to actually hope that your podcast doesn't get recognized by Oprah or or some other huge uh, celebrity out there that might talk about you and then l- put a link back to your p- podcast and the next thing you know you've got 400,000 people who download the most recent 10 episodes of your show and then all of a sudden you got a you know a $4,000 uh, bandwidth bill from from Amazon with Libsyn 
if that if if all of a sudden you know I was on the Oprah show and 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 uh, Oprah says guys you need to go check out this guy's podcast and then three million people download my podcast guess what my monthly bill next month will be the same as it was last month uh, although Lipson may want to talk to me about moving up to a, uh, a Lipson Pro account if that was to continue to be a sustained uh, audience size anyway. Yeah, let's see here. Next up, we have, uh, I think, yeah, Karen. Karen's got a question. Hi, Cliff, podcast answer man. This is Karen from Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, I want to ask you about images for my episodes. I usually uh, make a screen dump or take an image of the internet uh, of people that I interview in my podcast or their logos or such. So uh, I have the problem when you say that we should make images uh, 600 times 600 or even 900 times 900 pixels uh, so people can see them in a high resolution on uh, flat screen TVs or on iPads. But I, I find that a problem that I can't do that with the images that I find online. So what do you suggest uh, us to do? This was Karen Hook from Copenhagen. Thank you. Karen, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I've seen uh, folks do exactly what you're doing, choosing photos uh, or images that kind of go along with the, the feel of the episode. So they have a different image for each podcast episode that they're putting in the ID3 tags. Now, just for clarification purposes, the recommendation isn't 600 by 600 or 900 by 900. The The old standard was 300 by 300, and the new standard is 600 by 600. 600 by 600 being currently the highest resolution standard that, that's out there that I'm aware of. And please let me know if I'm wrong, if anybody's heard otherwise. But um, 600 by 600... Uh, is going to look better on an iPad when somebody's playing your podcast because it shows your your artwork really big. And if you have a 300 by 300 image, it does make it a little blurry or pixelated. Um, and uh, of course, if somebody has an Apple TV and they're browsing through the content and they're playing it and it shows your artwork, again, 600 by 600 pixel artwork is going to look a great deal better on those high resolution sc- higher resolution screens. Now, with that being said, Still, a majority of my shows all have 300 by 300 artwork. I need to have them resampled or actually recreated in the 600 by 600 format. I don't have to, but I want to. So there's a, obviously a different difference there. Here's the situation. In your case, Karen, I, th- th- these are recommendations and not mandates. So if you're going to put an image of somebody and that image is 450 pixels wide by 300 pixels high and that's all that they supplied to you you can use that that's going to be fine and it'll look great on an ipod touch it'll look great on a zoom it'll look great on a blackberry it'll look great on an iphone uh it's not it's going to look uh, so so on an ipad and it's going to look uh, pretty bad on a big screen tv but the thing is is we're talking audio podcasts here and and really you know, the majority of people are going to be using these on portable devices. So I don't think you really need to be worried about it all that much. It, my, my recommendation for 600 by 600 podcast artwork are for people who are creating shows brand new today 
And if you are getting podcast artwork made for your show where you're going to use the same artwork for every episode like I do, um, then then my suggestion is go ahead and, and, I mean, if you're getting artwork done, go ahead and get it in the 600 by 600 pixel, pixel uh, size and then you're good to go, at least for now until maybe they come and rec- up the recommendations again. But Karen, great question, and uh, I don't think you have to worry about anything. Continue to to put those uh, photos of your interviewees in your show. I think that's great. Uh, one last uh, call-in question for this week, and this is from Drew. Drew, take it away. Hi, this is Drew Covert from the West Side of Mars podcast over at westsideofmars.webs.com, and I have a question for the podcast answer man. I um, do a podcast, and I am a teenager. My parents do not like me keeping all my podcasting stuff down it in my family desk room where we go on the computers. So I have to, every Thursday, which is when I do my podcast, take my stuff and put it downstairs and then take it back up when I'm done. It, could you think of like any quick way to make it so that I'm not assembling it every single week? Thanks. I love all your shows. Bye. Drew, first and foremost, congratulations on having your podcast, uh, even as a teen. I know that there are tons of uh, younger folks out there who have these podcasts, and I think it's great. I think it's only going to help you uh, develop into some, you know, some awesome opportunities in the future. And so keep at it. Um, and by the way, I, I'm not a teenager, and I remember when I first started podcasting, my wife didn't want me to keep my stuff out uh, all over the place. In fact, I encourage folks to go and check out uh, podcastanswerman.com slash studio setup. Podcastanswerman.com slash studio setup. And there's a picture, if you keep scrolling down, you'll eventually come to it, where you see me sitting on the floor with a billion wires and like three computers, and and you'll understand why my wife didn't want all that stuff laid out all the time. Anyway, my suggestion um for Drew here is that, you know, have you ever seen somebody, you go into somebody's garage and on the wall they have like this this board up there with all those little holes in it and then you can put, you know, you can put like little, uh, those holes have little um, thing hooks that go in them and then you can hang things on those hooks. Well, if you go to the hardware store, you could probably pick up that board and have it cut down to a, a size that would be reasonable for you. Now, you don't need the hooks, but what you want is that you want that sturdy board, all right, that sturdy board, and and then also some really, really, really large um, uh, plastic uh, pull ties, you know, those little the little things where you stick it in and you, you pull it, pull it, and then all of a sudden it, 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 it locks into place. What you could do is you could actually take a, a big piece of that board place all of your gear sitting down on that board and either, I mean, I, I suppose you could use some other things, but but whatever it takes to secure each piece of equipment to that board, you know, using it, to, you know, uh, to wrap around the mixer and then sticking that through the holes and then on the back end, pulling it tight and securing it uh, solidly to that board. And then what you could do is is once you have the mixer to the board and, and whatever other pieces of equipment, get, get all of that stuff secured to the board. And then all of your wires, go ahead and hook all, the, all your wires up the way that you would want them hooked up. And then all that excess cable, kind of wrap it up all real nice and then get bread ties or, or again, some more of those pa- plastic straps and, and 
and and and wrap those to where it's it's secured up against the board and then on the back end of the board you you're, you're securing that and so if you can picture in your mind's eye what I'm talking about um, what you've done is you, when you're finished you could actually, and then you can cut out kind of like a handle at the top of that and what you could do is you could just carry you know pick that up sit it in your closet and when you're ready to go podcast you actually go you just grab that by your handle that you've cut out and you you place that board right up there on your desk and all you should have to do at that point if you're recording into a computer which i'm assuming that you're doing or you're doing Skype conversations you should only have to plug in one or you know the power cord and maybe uh two cables that go you know into the line in and the he- speaker jack of your computer and that should uh solve that for you all right uh last thing i want to tell you here uh real quick is that um in the month of March, I want to let you know, I am going to be doing a five-week podcasting boot camp course during the entire month of March. Uh, I, I'm, I'm considering, that at least I'm considering this, if I get at least 20 people who are interested in this, it's going to be like podcasting from A through Z, everything you need to know about podcasting. I'm going to be clearing out all of my consulting for that month. Um, I'm, uh, there will be two focuses during the month of March, my content for gspn.tv and interaction with my community there and my entire business days uh, through that week will all be about creating content, training materials for the participants of this boot camp. So my entire month will be devoted to helping a group of people go from the very beginning and taking them through a five-week program where every day, Monday through Friday, you will get new training materials. Um, and at the end of, you know, after you'll be given instructions of how to go through these materials, you'll be given assignments for you to process through and to go through. And uh, and and I'll be taking you step by step by step through the entire progress process. And then at the end of every week, at the end of every week, we will have a conference call where participants can actually, uh, you know, voice any questions they have as a result of going through that week's materials. Again, this will be a five-week program, everything from beginning all the way through the end, an entire month that I'm going to be uh, putting together this, you know, all of this content. It's going to be amazing, and it's only going to be $800 for the entire five-week program. Again, this is if I can get 20 participants to sign up, which I think that I'll probably have 20 participants by the end of this month, and I'll have the entire uh, month of February to 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 grow that that group. But anyway, uh, if this sounds interesting to you, I, I I hope that it does for for many of you who have been on the fence about podcasting. Eight hundred dollars, and it's everything. I mean, I'll teach you everything that you need to know, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I'll share more in in future episodes as we get it uh, more fleshed out and some details. But if you're interested in that, email me Cliff at podcastanswerman.com. And let me know of your interest, and I will uh, put you on a list of people who uh, will be possibly participating. So here's the last thing we have for today. This is a recorded telephone conversation that I had with Joe Talbot over at telos-systems.com. Of course, they are the makers of the Telos uh, audio equipment that you can find over there. Uh, specifically, what I think is most interesting to podcasters would be the t- digital hybrids or the telephone audio interfaces uh, that they make. 
and uh, it allows you to bring in telephone calls. Now, you guys know I've been using the broadcast host for quite some time uh, in conjunction with uh, the Behringer MDX4600 compressor limiter gate, and I've been using that device primarily for the gate functionality so that when my caller is not talking and I am, there is no ambient sounds in the background, no static noise or anything like that. Uh, so what you're about ready to hear is a conversation between myself and Joe as we were uh, talking about the the difference between the two devices and uh, you're going to get to hear uh, basically a comparison between the broadcast host and the JK Audio. Here's that interview right now and then I'll come back with a couple additional thoughts right after that. All right, so I'm on the line here with Joe Talbot, who is uh, over there. He's an engineer with Telos, and I have the new HX1 uh, hooked up to the telephone. And right now, you hear absolutely nothing in the background. Joe's not talking, and if I'm I, not saying a word now, I am. Oh, there he talked. Okay, so there you go. So, so, <laughs> so when Joe's not talking, right there, complete silence. And of course, that is because I have I am using my uh, MDX4600 compressor limiter gate. But here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to actually reach down here and I'm going to turn the gate off. All right, gate is off and uh, now you can hear in the background there, um, you can hear a little bit of a ambient noise. That's actually the ambient noise, not necessarily static from my telephone line, which I'm used to hearing on my JK Audio broadcast host. But uh, what I'm hearing is the ambient noise of Joe's room, the room that he's in. I'm hearing the background noise. Say you're something You're hearing for the me. server probably. The fan is going in the background. And uh, yeah, that's probably what you're hearing. Now, if I wanted to, I could still use my MDX 4600 compressor delimiter gate so that, you know, that's not in the background when I'm talking, kind of like when you first heard the, the recording here that when I brought Joe on and, and uh, you did not hear any noise in the background because my gate was cutting that out. Now, you're saying that HX1 has a gate in it, um, but I, I, I turn it on and it still doesn't... It's I guess it does... Is, is there a setting in such a way that that, that noise in your... The, the server fan in the background, if that happened to be the background noise, would the gate built into the X1, uh, HX1 cut that out? Uh, it depends on the level. Um, we, we design, you know, since we're designing for the broadcast market, one of the goals is to have, with audio processing, is to have it do work but not be audible by the listener. So we're, we're, it's kind of a fine, fine line we have to walk. So uh, you, it depends on the situation. It may, it may cut it out. It may not. Okay. So, so if, depending on what the background noise and ambient noise. Now, real quick, Joe, when... Mm-hmm. When we brought this on um, originally, when we brought the HX1 out of the box, uh, we had some kind of low frequency buzz hum noise that we thought was kind of like a ground loop noise. Can you? That's what it sounded like. Yeah. And you uh, I, you sent me a you sent me a set of cables. You built something. What was this thing you built? Yeah, I was just uh, basically I took a couple of extension cables and cut them in half or not quite in half and put a little box in between that had audio transformers in line. So I built a, a box that provided isolation and uh, transformer balancing. Um, one of the reasons you need to do that is if you're running the the unit is differential balanced and it's designed it's it, it designed to go into a rack so it's going to be have a grounded chassis and everything and if you plug it into some unbalanced equipment you might have a hum sometimes you might not it depends on your wiring uh depends a lot if it was a laptop laptops can be really finicky 
and you can have power supply noises and all kinds of things, and transformers sort of take that out of the equation. So that seems to have worked out well for you. Well, I tell you what, it, it did. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to hook it up right now to let people hear what the hum was going <laughs> to, what it sounded like, but it wasn't pleasant. Um, although, wasn't nice. Maybe actually, actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to pause and put that in. No, that'd be good. That way, they'll give them an idea of what to listen for if they run into a similar situation. I mean, it doesn't happen just with phone equipment, but it can happen with anything. And uh, transformers are a pretty good way to deal with that. Okay. So well, let me pause. A lot of times, a lot of times these buses are not at, these buses out of some of the you know, semi-pro consoles, like a Mackie or whatever, are not balanced, and that can that can bite you. All right. Well, let's let's pause the recording here and and see if we can't introduce the buzz. <laughs> All right. So you're not going to believe this, Joe. Don't tell me there's no hum right now. There's no hum. <laughs> I okay. am not kidding you. There is no, no I hum. It. This, this happens, and it happens to engineers all the time. How is that all possible? This is exactly how we had it hooked up the last time, and there's no hum. Well, one of two theories. One, you changed something in the wiring, or two, the phone line had a problem then that it doesn't have now. Yeah, yeah. Don't I, I think the one thing I can tell you right now is there's there is one computer that's off that was on. Let me turn it on. Okay. It's firing up now. That's the only thing I can think of. Of course, you yeah, know, well, the thing is, is I got so many power strips and I I've had I, exactly. so many different things plugged in and then unplugged. And with these unbalanced things, it's amazing the stuff, the, the different things that can cause problems. I mean, you can have it, hums will come and go, the volumes will change. Uh, it's just yeah, unbalanced audio. That's why in a, in a radio station we run everything balanced because typically the, the runs are longer, which invites more problems, and also ground loops, things like that will drive you crazy. Well, that, that, that is crazy. I mean, it is not there at all. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh. Well, well, anyway, here's the thing. The, the Telos here is sounding really good, and, and, and I want people to hear it. Now, of course, I'm talking to you, and let's just assume this was an interview that I was doing. You're my very important guest on the show. I'll uh, try to be interesting. Well, you, well, you are very important. You know, you're a guy out there <laughs> building telephone hybrids, right? Uh-huh. So, so, and especially here for Podcast Answer Man, um, you know, obviously, I'm doing this interview with you, and I hear that, you know, that background noise. It's just there. And uh-huh. this is this would be, I think, what most people would ex- expect to hear in a podcast interview with a hybrid without a gate. I mean, obviously, there is no gate. I'm hearing a little bit of the noise in the background. Now, uh-huh. here's what I'm going to show people is, is if I want to, I can still use my own MDX 4600. And I can turn the trigger up. And uh, so there we go. I, basically, what I've got now is, is I, I turned the trigger up on my own gate. So there is absolutely, when I'm talking, Joe's not talking, absolute crystal clear silence right now, which is beautiful. It's golden. And Joe's going to say something. Hello, Joe. Okay, I'll say something now. And of course, the noise, does it, or the noise, you wouldn't necessarily hear the noise depending on how well the gate works. Exactly. Matter of fact, it, I, the, the, the server fan is... It's there. It's coming through the gate along with your voice. But your voice... I'm going to play a little trick on you. I'm going to gradually get closer to the server. All right. That level's going to come up, and eventually it'll pop through. In the meantime, I'm going to shut up. All right. I'm getting closer, though. So he's getting closer, and I, I guess I got my trigger up. Now now there he is. He's close enough now where he is starting to play th- with, with my trigger. So, yeah, you are coming through. Now, uh-huh. I could I could increase the the trigger a little bit higher and and th- take the threshold up and 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 still have your voice break through. But if you sure. were, but I mean, in normal circumstances, 
It's going to be completely silent when uh, Joe's not talking, which is good. And but here's the thing. Here's what I want. I do want to con- to do is I want to show you the difference between the the uh, the telos and the broadcast host. So I'm actually going to disassemble uh, this hook up here. And oh, I'm gonna, sorry about that. What's that? Sorry about all that. You have to change all those wires around. <laughs> oh, that's that's not a problem. This is this is all in the 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 name of providing valuable information to our audience. So this is Great. good stuff. So basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to disassemble all this. Joe and I are going to reconnect our phone call using the broadcast host once I get it hooked up. And I'm going to let you hear the difference between these two devices. So, uh, again, the first eight minutes of this talking with Joe here has been using the, what is this, the Telos HX1. Right. All right. Okay. Okay. So here we are. We are now connected via the JK Audio broadcast host. And I want you guys to listen closely to what what you're hearing here. And um, you're hearing the static. You're hearing that static. Joe, Joe, go ahead and say something. Okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hearing the static on my side, but I'm really curious to hear this played back. Yeah, so the static is there. Actually, this is not as... You have a much cleaner line, I think, than, than some, of the, some, of, some other connections that I've made. But, uh, oh, yeah. But, but still, what I'm hearing... Uh, I, I, maybe it is more comparable, but still, I mean, there's still definitely that static that's there and it, and it was not as it was not as pronounced on the telos unit and and not only that but the crosstalk tell me tell people what crosstalk is well i, th- I think what you mean is uh, we talk about trans hybrid loss uh, basically the amount of refl- when for example when you talk when you talk into the uh, into the mic how much of you comes back from the phone circuit yes if you were listening just to the phone and your mic was going in directly or going through a different channel or something, you would hear yourself come back, but it would be kind of distorted, sound a little weird, or maybe not be there. Or hopefully, ideally, not be there at all. Um, and that's one of the things we strive for. And the reason is that we want, we want the, uh, the host to sound as natural as possible, and we want the caller to sound as good as possible. And the more we can separate those two audio paths, uh, the better everything is. Yeah, and, and so basically, I, I think here what I've got going on uh, obviously, I do hear when I when I ha- when I bring you up to this level where I'm at now, I, when I talk into my microphone, um, coming in from the JK Audio broadcast host, I am hearing a little bit of myself back coming through the unit from the telephone line, um, and I didn't get that as much on the on the telos there. I think you're going. I think you were doing some things in in the internal there. The other thing is is I think when I first when I first connect to anybody on the broadcast host um there has to, it has to do something um like a, a burst down the the telephone line to do the digital separate separation have you heard of this yeah we, we do that too in fact when you take a call on our unit the first thing that the caller will hear is and what that does it sends a noise blast down the line and it very quickly attempts to equalize away any kind of reflection Okay. Now the caller hears that. Now see the on the broadcast host. I don't think they do. They do that little psh noise down the line. Instead, what happens is when I actually connect, I'm the one who has to make that. Right. Well, what it may be doing, what it's probably doing, is it's listening continuously and it, it comparing the two signals and trying to, to equalize it based on your 
you being the noise source, if you will. Right. We do that too. We we are continually monitoring the audio both both directions, looking for stuff that correlates. Right. And uh, it, if there is that correlation, then we we adapt it silently. The idea is you don't want to be able to notice that it's happening. It just kind of quietly goes away. Yeah. Let let me. Sh- I'm going to show people what I'm talking about. Um, I'm going to have you on speakerphone. So you're on speakerphone now. Right. All right. And then I'm going to do. And here we go. Ooh, yeah, see? And, and so basically, now, Joe, you didn't hear that, but when you hear this back, when you heard me say, and here we go, you definitely heard a lot of my voice coming back from the telephone right. line, and then it slowly, I mean, it, it goes away. Now, what I've done to kind of negate that is I usually pause the recording before I bring a caller on, and, and then I basically get that initial, you know, jolt out of the way and I find out who the caller is and then I unpause the recording with it already digitally separated. Right. Yeah, but by that time everything's already adapted away. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Now, and of course that works for for recorded audio, live broadcasting not so much, but uh but here, yeah, particularly if you've got a multi-line situation, you're going from call to call. You, you're going to talk to caller five, and they're they're winning the trip to Hawaii. You can't be fooling around too much. You got to be able to hit and run. Right, and and for those who are listening now here to the recording, I just engaged my my gate here on the uh, JK Audio broadcast host, or actually the gate on the MDX forty six hundred. So now we're back in a situation where when I'm talking, Joe's not talking. There's complete silence. Ah, golden. No static. And Joe's going to talk now. And I just turned up a floor heater because I'm in Southern California where it's surprisingly cold right now. But (laughs) there's another noise source I added for you just for a test here, of course. There you go. Well, you know, I'm going to say that, um, you know, there's definitely a little bit more static, but I think maybe what's going on is the the telos is, is, is softening and, and, and bringing down the static is is what I would say is going on, um, and 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 maybe static is the wrong word for what I'm talking about. Could it, is it is it more just a noise level, a constant noise level? Yeah, it's a constant noise level. Ah, well, one of the things that could be that could be as simple as uh, well. For example, what's the power supply on the JK unit? Um, it is a it's it you know it's one of those big wall warts. Okay, okay, two wires cord coming out of there. Uh, two wires. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, they're probably running with fairly low voltages to uh, so that they can run all that stuff, <clears throat> and they're probably making uh, a bipolar supply inside the unit. We have a professional, you know, bipolar supply in the unit running plus and minus 15 volts to make, basically make it possible for the audio to sound good. Uh, so yeah. our noise floor is going to be a whole lot lower, so maybe that's what you're hearing. When I think of static, it's, it's a little more uh, intermittent. Yeah, no, I, I think maybe I've been using the wrong language. Then, yeah, I would say noise floor. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm looking here. It's 9 volt, nine volt DC coming in on the GPI okay, yeah. broadcast. So what they've got to do is the, inside the unit, they've got to turn that into plus or minus 15 volts or maybe plus or minus 12 volts to run op amps to, uh, to handle the audio. So uh, I haven't looked inside there, but that, that's probably where the noise, noise is coming from. And they probably just figured it's a phone line. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but we're, we're maniacs. Alrighty. Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, you know what, I, I think with that being said, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely can see an improvement. Um, I'm going to say personally, though, I, you know, I'm going to, now I just disengaged, by the way, the, uh, the gate uh-huh. and reaching down. I still personally like the idea of completely 
100% gating out all background noise. Uh, sure. With well, audio addition. processing is personal preference and, you know, artistic and all that. And I understand that. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely hear um, a little bit more crosstalk, uh, what I call crosstalk, you know, the, my, my oh. voice coming back from the line. Um, I definitely hear the static, uh, you know, more pronounced here on the JK Audio. And uh, we'll switch back over to the uh, Telos and, and continue our conversation. Okay, so we're back on the Telos HX1. Obviously, uh, definitely sounds uh, a lot better. Joe, are you there? I am here. When people come in and listen to this recording that you and I are doing, uh, there's no question that, that they're, th- this device sounds better. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, we've worked really hard on it, and we're proud of it. Now, your HS1, HX1 has some limiting in it and some other stuff going on there as well, doesn't it? It does. Uh, the goal of the, uh, of the HX is to make it where if you're going from one call to another call or whatever you're connecting to, it tries to, the audio processing built into it tries to make the best of that particular connection. So if someone calls you on a phone that doesn't have a lot of high frequencies, so my favorite analogy is the football phone. Remember those when they were giving those out with Time Life mm-hmm. magazine years ago? Yeah. Well, those are notoriously awful phones. <laughs> So people, if somebody calls up on a football phone, it just sounds nasty. So uh, HX is designed to try to uh, bring up the high frequencies and make even a football phone sound clear. And with cell phones these days, you need all the help you can get. Gotcha. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to um, talk with us here on PodcastAnswerMan.com. And uh, I'll, I'll provide some information for people after after uh, we play this interview in the show with, with information about the, the unit itself. But uh, Great. I really well, we're appreciate glad it. to help. If anybody has a, a problem or situation, give us a call, and we generally have a lot of good ideas, or we'll, we'll talk about it, come up with something that'll work for you. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thank you. Well, there you go, my friends. That is the call that I had with uh, Joe from over at telos-systems.com. The, uh, uh, again, the item that we were talking about there is the telos HX1. They also have an HX2, which basically can allow you to bring in two telephone lines into one rack space on your rack if you have an equipment rack set up. Anyway, folks, my 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 impression of this is that, you know, hey, if if it came down to it and I had a decision between the broadcast host and the Telos HX1, I think I would lean towards buying the the Telos HX1. It is it is a couple hundred dollars more. Uh, but if, if the settings could be set in such a way that the gate, if we could make it engage at a, at a, a you know, a lower threshold or a, yeah, a lower threshold, um, then, then I might be able to be convinced that I could use the Telos HX1 without even having a gate in the equipment chain, a, a separate gate device. However... I don't know. I, I, I think me, I, I, I kind of like the fact that I can make it completely silent in the background. I'm able to do that with the, the JK Audio, although I will tell you, the JK Audio basically does sound, uh, it, the quality of the JK Audio, there's a little bit more crosstalk as we talked about. There's a little bit more of that static. It's not as quiet and conditioned as as a lot of the built-in functionality of the HX1. So... I don't know. I, if I had it in my budget, if I had the additional money to spend, I would do the HX1. And I'm not saying that just because they sent me a review unit. Although I will say this about Telos. They have fantastic technical support. Let me just say, they do. They, they're, they're absolutely amazing. But I will say this, the, you know, for the extra money you pay for the HX1, it is certainly 
worth the extra money with what's built into this thing. Some very great features. I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll put a link to the Telos HX1 device on their website um, so that you can uh, actually take a look and see all the features and stuff that are built in if you're interested. Uh, other than that, I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. I will be back again next week, and I will have a major announcement next week as it relates to my gspn.tv plus membership and again uh check out pursuing a balanced life podcast episode number one 486 and go see what it is that i'm pondering which uh as i record this i'm, I'm technically i'm less than two hours away actually yeah less than two hours away from from making that final decision and and be being able to uh start putting things into place to uh transition over to the to new way of doing things I appreciate each and every one of you. God bless you all, and I'll see you next week. Oh, yeah, and until next time, join the community. Join the community.